Three, two. Oh, there you go. Hey, what's going on, people? What is going on? You are now tuning in to the Heavy Hitters. Let's get it. Boop, 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 boop. Hello. Hello. What the hell is going on? Side of the thing. Oh, I'm, I'm leaving this. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what the heck is going on with Kevin. Kevin, are you there? Are you? Are you okay? No, he's not okay. I guess I'll start things <laughs> out because Kevin lost his damn mind. I don't know what's going on. So, uh, welcome to the Heavy Hitters. I am your host today, Kev. The Heavy Kev is the Man Mike Show. It's the Man Mike and Juice Show. Uh, Two thirds of the Heavy Hitters. Um, <laughs> when he come back, it's going to be the Heavy Hitters. It's going to be uh, the full cast. So, um, I see uh, Coleman is already talking his normal crap uh we're not gonna get the show so you guys i'm stalling and i'm just talking to myself and i'm pretending like i know what i'm doing but i really don't know what i'm doing and Jew sitting there you know Jew doing his thing uh and i still don't know where kevin is at this point in time because this is it's 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 really weird i don't know what the hell happened and uh i can see blackberry i can see floyd jb Drake Murphy, and we're doing a uh, a different style of the real world call. All right, but when Kill gets in here, and I'm just stalling, I'm talking, I'm talking to myself, and talking to myself because I don't want to give up too much right now. Uh, and Kelly still is not here, so I don't know why it's taking him ten minutes to get back into the room, you guys. So yeah, yeah, it's it's he's still not here. Dude, what, what, what the heck is going on? What, what's going on? The, the ghost of Dirk Cutter took K Styles out, man. <laughs> the, the ghost, look, I, I, I guess that's what it is. It, it normally don't take him this long to get back into the room. So, yeah. And here he is. All right. So, here he is. So, I'm stuttering and I'm. See, I know what I want to do. I know what I want to do. I can host what I know what to do. But I don't know what's going on with Kev, and, and it's still okay. Here we go. So you guys hold on. Uh, yeah, uh, I know he having fun with this shit right now, and it's still not, and he's still not here. 
no, this is not what we. This is not what. Yeah, this is not what we intended. All right. They took me out, man. They took me I, out. I, you know, I'm trying to figure That's out bullshit. what I don't want to do. Is start a show. I don't want to start the show and speak on things before you actually get back on. So. I'm sitting up here and sound like a complete fucking moron, all right? That's, that's what I sound like. Just stuttering and making up stuff and really talking oh. nonsense and I mean, not really saying anything like I'm right now. Yeah, that's 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 what I was doing for the what last four minutes. Yeah, if you see this this is this, this is the stuff that you can't make up. This is the stuff you can't make up when you talk about doing shows, all right? So it don't matter how long you've been doing it. This this is this is the stuff that you can't you can't make up. So uh Kill, what 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 in the hell happened? Hey, I hey, just like somebody said, I think the all ass all stars came in and did something to my damn stream. You mean the all like the monsters from uh no. Space Jam? No. Like that? I think there was a pick. I think there was a a, a, a picket ride of um, trash ass Falcon football players came and fucked my damn internet up. So what you saying is is karma's a bitch. Let's just say that. The one that uh, I recall on Allen, the one who be laying on the ground with the, with the pictures. Uh, 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 Tommy <laughs> Day Cooper. <laughs> Tommy Day Cooper the troops and hell. Style. That's what happened. I think that's what happened. Um, yeah, I think I think the uh, fear of Thomas Dimitri I'll finally right, came your back. Your brain is scattered. What the hell is going on? What the hell is going on, kid? Like, what, what, like, what? I don't know. <laughs> can you hear me? He still don't know it. I, I can hear you. We can hear you fine. We can hear you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hold on. Golly. Try to get this thing to go right. But what's going on, people? What's going on, man? As y'all had this um five, six, seven minute blunder of a failure of a heavy hitter show. <laughs> um, as the famous words of our truth uh my bad. What? How the hell is your bad? You don't know what the hell is going on, kid. What, what is? What the, huh? Well, let's just get on with the show. Uh, we 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 can't be doing this. Hey, <laughs> what y'all don't know? I've been getting killed here all day, all day long. I've been getting. That is something. I talk. I, <laughs> hey, we keep trying to tell y'all it's hard. It's harmonious on here. Outside of this, <laughs> it's all oh, chaos. But enough about that, man. Let's go ahead and get straight into it, man. As y'all already know, and you see, it's so messed up. We ain't even got the music playing, but. How y'all doing today? How y'all doing today, by the way? Jew, what's going on with you? Hey, man, we just chilling. It's one, look, it's one of those shows. This is the first time I've ever seen Kill this out of... This is the first time i ever seen him this out of source. I've been enjoying the hell out of it. 
<laughs> good. Okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get back on the right track, man. Hold on. Oh. Hold on. You don't know what ah. to do. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's see. All right, I'm good now. I'm good now, man. Hey, let's go ahead and get right into it tonight, man. As we already know, you are getting the heavy hitters season review as far as what our thoughts was for this Falcon season and what can we get look forward to for 2023. So, anybody want to kick this off the right way? Uh, we gonna let the minister run point for this one. Go and bless us with the word, man. Uh, most definitely. Um, y'all did a show a couple weeks ago. I think it was like maybe two weeks ago when you talked about um, possibly doing like a review of the season. And I put in the chat, basically, to me, this 2022 season was one of those years where these young players got to learn. Like it was a development year. That's why I take it as a development year. Um, we we played a lot of young players, you know, our rookies. We had a lot of one year guys on one year deals, but we were one of the youngest teams in the NFL. So I really think that this was one of those years, like we say, you live and you learn like experience. These players got experience. We were in pretty much every single game and our players learned the hard way what not to do at the end of games. Like <laughs> when we talk about closing games, we literally had a different scenario pretty much every single week that cost us games. You guys know I always talk about those three to four plays in the game that changed the game. We've seen that this year, whether it was Taquan Graham literally fumbling the ball without anybody touching him, um, whether it was Mariota ball getting tipped against the commanders at, at the goal line getting intercepted. Um, but it's one thing that I actually, like prior to us doing this review, I kind of thought about that was kind of to me um what changed the whole season and what's so ironic about it is it was the game that we were at that chicago bears game i don't know if you guys remember after that chicago bears game we won the game but when we did our post game show or we did the heavy hitter show that next week we kind of talked about uh kyle pitts and taekwon graham and those guys getting injured in that chicago bears game and to me that was the game that turned the table for the Atlanta Falcons, if we think about it. Because after that, we went on a, a, a bad losing streak after losing those two guys. And I think if we had Kyle Pitts and Taquan Graham down the stretch, we possibly could have been in the playoffs or won some of those games that we lost that came down to those last, you know, the Commanders game, the Ravens game, all of those games, the Steelers, all of those games was right there for the taking. But I think if you have Kyle Pitts and you have Taquan Graham, we possibly get into the playoffs. So to me, those two guys getting injured at the time, I remember saying like, yeah, we're going to be fine. You know, we can still run the ball and things of that nature. But those guys were were more to this team than we, you know, that I let on. I didn't realize that Taquan Graham, I knew he was a good player, but when he left, you know, he wasn't there with him and Grady Jarrett on the inside of that defensive line. We seen it got ugly down the stretch. It really got ugly. And not having Kyle Pitts, even though Michael Pruitt did step up, we know Kyle Pitts is a game breaker. So that was to me the the like when you say the turning point in the season, that Chicago Bears game that we was at was to me was the turning point in the season. Now that I look back on it, because I'm like, dang, 
after that game, we went on like a three or four game losing streak, which really pretty much turned the tide. Even though every week the Buccaneers were losing as well and the Carolina Panthers, all of those teams were kind of losing as well. So they kept us in the hunt. I really think if we had Kyle Pitts down the stretch and Taquan Graham, we possibly go further because we know because of the cap situation, we didn't have that depth. And that's when that, you know, it reared that depth reared his ugly head down the stretch. Mm, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Um hold on, let me let me make sure I do some voodoo right quick. Okay, so so we good. So um, I can't do the whole show without giving out the roll call, man. I don't know, look, 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 I don't know what they done did to me, but I got roll call a few names, man. Y'all mind if I do that right quick, do you? I do your thing, man. All right, I, I, I already kind of did a little. I, I did a little. You did a little, little bit. I did a little I, bit. It's a few. I got. I got to do at least a few names. I got to do at least a few names because you know everybody's so used to me doing a few names here, man. So I didn't want to get the latest guys, latest people, latest people. So Brandon Levy, appreciate you coming in. D. Coleman, Brian Peoples, um, Lee eighty five. We got uh, Eric Mack in the building, Gears 5, Jack Savage, and let me get a couple more. Got Nathan Floyd, Dreddy. All right. Okay. So, my idea of the 2022 season as far as the Atlanta Falcons wasn't necessarily... I say they I say they hit my expectations record wise. Um as we already know, it's the second consecutive seven and ten season for the Atlanta Falcons. But the philosophy changed, took a 180. Where we asked for running the damn ball. It made me feel good inside to see them running the damn ball. Now, few plays there, few plays here. Like 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 you said, Mariota fumble, Grady Jarrett, uh, rough in the passer call. Interception against Washington. Interception against the Rams. Like I said, you got all these little little plays here. And this is like the second year in a row where we've seen this team have these one, two, four plays cost them victories. Like I said, this is the sign of a young team. You got a lot of young guys on the squad. Even though they have hit what my expectations for the win for for their wins, the future is bright because you literally seen a, a, a clipped wing Falcon team literally stay in a lot of these games despite their deficiencies. 
not being able to pass the ball like they need to. Not being able to get sacks like like we want them to. Not getting as many of the turnovers. But they've shown you in the second half of a lot of these games this year. Hey, this is a tough team. I'm going to pass that one on the mic, man. See what he got for us. Well, Jesus told me to be nice about it, so I'm going to try to put as nice as I possibly can. Yeah, God told me before we came, before we did show, to be nice. He said, be nice, Mike. Be nice to the um, ironic people who can't understand simple concepts of football. So he told me to be nice. So I'm going to be nice. You got to understand one thing and one thing. This is simple as I can put it. The team is seven and seven, two straight. Seven and ten two straight years. Again, team, this team is seven and ten for two straight years. What did that tell you? Not much has really changed when it comes down to the coach and their philosophy and their talent. Like these are two completely different teams. Two completely different teams. This man was seven and ten with two completely different teams from year one to year two. This is the first time he's able to get his players. Okay, let me repeat that. This is not the San Francisco 49ers where they pretty much have the same team outside of Christian McCaffrey and and and, and uh Purdy. This is a completely different quarterback, completely different running backs, completely different wide receivers, offensive line, defensive line, DBs. I can go on and on and on. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because one thing didn't change, and that's the record. That just tells me that's great coaching. If you have two completely different teams, but you have almost the well, ain't no almost the exact same record that tells you that this guy knows what the hell he's doing. So again, like I've stated several times, if you cannot see that Arthur Smith is a great coach, you are blind and moronic. I don't know any other team in the history of the NFL that has had to deal with what the Falcons have had to deal with with no freaking money. Name another coach that you've seen that took on this job with no money and was at least one of these five games. No money and won at least five games. Falcons don't have no money. The dude still won 17. So, Again, so 
if anybody if wants to question Arthur, question him on his style of offense. Just say you don't like his style of offense. His offense is bushy in the mouth and bushy in the mouth again. And then we're going to bush you in the mouth after I bush you in the mouth. And I'm going to bush you in the mouth again after I bush you in the mouth two more times. So basically what this is, is Mike Tyson punch out. This offense is Mike Tyson punch out. That's what this is, okay? This is fight night. Not Friday night, man. And this is fight. Offense is all about. The land of the real. Okay? I'm 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 gonna steal something out of the matrix. It's the land of the real. Only real football players and real football fans enjoy what they're seeing with this this team. Because that everybody's slobbering all over. The 49ers, yeah, we kicked their ass at their own job. At their own style. We kicked their ass at their own game. And they had better players on offense, defense, and special teams. So I say all that to say this. This man deserved to be coach of the year. Because, again, I have never seen any coach in the NFL that had to deal with no money. The Falcons have a... They have an NFL record, $80 million in dead cap. And he had to put a team together. He and Terry Fontenot had to put a team together with $80 million in dead cap. Tell me another coach that has done that. I will wait for you to find one. So that's all I got to say. Arthur Smith, coach the year. You don't mind if oh, I put that in the middle. One, one, one more thing. Oh, what, what you got? What one, you got? One, one more thing. One more thing. One, one more thing. I, I got to say this. I got to say this, though. Not only did he have to deal with that, but he had to deal with a mother plucker that decided that he wanted to put a parlay bet on his damn phone. worry about a, 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 a wide receiver that decided he just, I'm not going to play no more. I don't want to play no more. So you got off the field. You got off the field issues. We got on the field issues. We ain't got no damn money. And this guy was still supposed to be. And, and the third one. I know I'm a little bit long at the time right now. But you got to deal with D-Led every damn day on top of it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, I'm gonna say it like this a little bit better. Jew, Mike, let me ask you a question. Have you seen anybody build a house with five dollars? Is it is it possible you for um, build an entire? house with five dollars to your name we ain't talking about survivor we ain't talking about none of that we talking about right now new houses five dollars this is a process um 
Tyler Ajir making the getting recognition on the all rookie team is well deserved. He was a blessing to this team, especially at the time. Like I said before, at the time when they needed somebody to step in, he was that guy. You lost Cordero for four games. You pretty much, you, know, you had Damian Williams in here. You lost him after game one. Well, really, he didn't even play the full game. I think he only played like a quarter. Two snaps. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Damn. Two snaps. <laughs> if that. What was it on? And then you did, like I said, then him then Arthur Smith taking the chance to roll with Caleb Huntley. And Caleb Huntley's game elevated Tyler Algiers' game. And this is why they ran the damn ball. Once it started working, they said, no, we gonna keep it going. We know it's not going to be the prettiest offense. But it benefits our defense in the second halves. In which the defense has given up less points in the second half than any other team in the NFL right this year. Drake London went through a seven-game stretch where he got less than 40 yards receiving and was 120 yards away from a 1,000-yard season. Let's put that into perspective. We saw Kayla McGarry go from we need to get him traded out of here to now all of us, now we need to resign him. Bring it back, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. <laughs> I like how Blackberry put it. He said, not pretty, but it's damn sexy. Yeah, yes. For football enthusiasts, yes. Pass, pass the rock to whoever won the next. I just want to piggyback on what y'all were saying. Like, it goes back to coaching and that's what we kind of been lacking um you know when we lost dan quinn it was kind of like we never would see adjustments and that's something that i can commend this coaching staff for is we seen them make changes when things were not working even though we i didn't want the coach to go away from Mariota, it was the right decision at the time that he did it and we seen it pay dividends in the last two games of the season but all of the guys that you named, uh, K Styles, like Caleb Huntley, uh, Tyler Algier, um, Drake London, like we've seen these guys develop. I mean, you've seen players like Cordero Hodge actually making plays throughout the season. We've seen Alameda Zacchaeus. We've seen Demir Bird. Like, one thing that I can say about this coaching staff and this regime, um, compared to our last coaching staff with Dan Quinn, how many times did I say we got rookies and we don't know what they could do? We had John Kaminsky for years. We don't, you know, we didn't know what he was. We had uh, Deidre and Sanat for years, never dressing out. 
where you see with this team, they actually are developing players. Like when we talk about player development, and that's why I said to me this year was about development. It's not too many players on this team that I'm like, I don't know what they can do. We may have played every single player other than the practice squad guys. And even we pulled some guys up off the practice squad. So I really think this team, they did a good job. The coaching staff did a great job of using what they had. Even though we talk about what we didn't have, you know how everybody always want to talk about, well, we don't have money. We don't have this. They did a good job of pulling the resources that we did have and taking advantage of the players that we did have. We didn't really see any signings because we didn't have any money to sign anybody. But to me, they did a great job of maneuvering, playing different players. Like we've seen the Jalen Daltons brought back to the team after TQ went down. You've seen them like rotating guys in. And we actually got to see what our rookies can do. Like for the most part, we know pretty much what every every player on this roster can do, which is key to building a contending team because I talked about depth. That's really what it's about. Now that we have the money, well, okay, you go out and sign up, you know, a big name free agent. Well, you know what you got behind him if he gets hurt. How many times we keep saying like, if you go and sign, you know, whoever we sign in free agency, well, we know in the NFL, there's 100% injuries. You're going to get nicked up at some point in the season. You got to have somebody that can spell you for a couple games. And good news is a lot of these guys were starting this year and we know what they can do. So even if we go out and sign a big name player, eventually you're going to need those glue guys. Like y'all were talking about the other night that once somebody goes down, turns an ankle, whatever happens, the concussion and it, you know, out for a couple weeks, you know what you got in the guys behind them because they play substantial playing time. Most of the time, most NFL teams, you have your starters and then it's everybody else. You don't really see those guys get substantial playing time. We were one of the only teams in the NFL that played a lot of our rookies and they were productive. Like you talked about, I mean, Tyler Algier led us in, he was a rookie, led us in rushing. Uh, Drake London led us in receiving, he's a rookie. And to be honest, I really feel like if Desmond Ritter would have got put in there a little bit earlier, he probably would have led our team in passing yards because we've seen between him and Mariota, he was the better pass, you know, pocket passer. He was the better passer, complete quarterback when he finally got in the game. So I really feel like you said we have a bright future just looking at this team based upon these guys actually getting that playing time and these guys actually coming in and doing something. It won't like these guys are just out there playing. These guys were at the forefront they were your playmakers drake london mm -hmm. tyler algier desmond ritter when he finally got out there those were the guys that were leading our offense you know what i'm saying it's almost like cp and some of those guys they actually kind of took a step back and those guys stepped to the forefront and actually went out there and made plays i talked about tyler algier when cp came back it's like he never missed a beat like he kind of just took that number one running you know running back role and ran with it and never gave it back so and that's what, you know, we've heard our coaching staff, like I said before, with Dean Pease, they mm -hmm. talk about when you draft guys, we drafted you for a reason. If you were the best, one of the best collegiate players on your team, you were a leader on your college team, we don't want you to come to our team and take a step back. We want you to take, you know, take the bull by the horns, take the baton and run with it. And I think we've seen that with these young guys. So I really feel like that was the benefit. Even though I was down, we didn't make the playoffs, even though we had no business even being in contention. You know, for the playoffs, I wasn't disappointed in the team because I seen the growth in the players from game one to the end of the season. I seen how, like you said, the defense improved. But I think the biggest thing to look at 
was this with this coaching staff is they understand that you got to make adjustments throughout the season. You can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. And I think that that's something that this coaching staff understands. Like they actually, during that bye week when they talked about self-reflecting and self-scouting, I think that that's something that they actually really did because you've seen them bench players. You've seen them start to throw different guys in a uh, throw different guys in a rotation, and we've seen what those guys can do. So I think that's a great thing to know. All of pretty much all of the guys we drafted played, other than Schaefer, Fitzpatrick, I think uh, the tight end, and Jared Bernhardt. Those were like the only three guys I think out of the draft class that didn't get substantial snaps, which is a good thing. You know, far as pretty much everybody else played. So, mm-hmm. what you got on that, Mike? I was reading the comments. I don't know what the hell you think. Uh, I heard. That, <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> All right, yeah, let, I, let, I, let's I, go I, ahead I, and I, recap. I, I, I <laughs> <laughs> no, I heard you. I just I, don't I, know no, what the hell the topic was. That's no, baby, pretty much what he was saying. No, 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 pretty, no, pretty much what he was saying as far as seeing the rookies getting substantial playing time. That's pretty much what the topic is. And, I mean, and the coaches, that's, the that's coaches what I was making uh, adjustments, Mike. Yeah, I, I mean, my thing is, is this is essentially what the system's about. Like we, this is why they're like, they've already tipped their hand when it came down to how they're going to build this team. I was talking to Chauncey about this, OG Chauncey, AKA Big Scooby, um, about this today. And the Falcons have already showed us what they're going to do. They're not going to go out and spend money on big time players unless it's a desperate, I mean, desperate need. Um, they're not going to go out of their way. They're going to draft their superstars. So if you see a guy in free agency like Deron Payne, do not do... Look, chances are it's not going to happen. If they did... Look, if, they're, if they didn't go out, trade up in drafts to make those... Um, because they had a prime... They had like they had a uh, prime opportunity last year with um, with Jordan Davis to do that to climb back into the first. And then you got a couple of guys that was at the end of the draft. They could have traded back up into the first round and got it, but they traded up in the second round, the second round to get uh, Kitty. So if I was already tipping when it comes down to it, this scheme is built on depth running the ball it's like if he wanted a running back that was special they had opportunity because the Giants were really shopping um Saquon Barker they were shopping them and they still shopping them to this day they still shopping like he still is available they're not paying him 16 million dollars a year they're not paying him 16 you say you take this 12 nothing at all so I say all that to say this. The Falcons and, and specifically the man who's really behind the scenes and nobody paying attention to, Rich McKay knows exactly what he's doing. Rich McKay 
what that did with the brought in another guy to handle uh, business operation. I forget who the guy was, but he's handling the business operation, the day-to-day business operation that Richmond was doing. So Rich McKay can now have more control over the football part. So I say all that to say this, do not get comfortable trying to go out and get these superstar receivers in the draft, these superstar quarterbacks, because they had a prime opportunity to trade up or draft Malik Willis in the first round, in the second round. They passed on them. They had an opportunity to get Trey Lance. They passed on him. They had an opportunity to get Justin Field. They passed on him. Every quarterback in the last two years that Falcons had an opportunity to get, they passed on. So what makes you guys think they're going to go out of their way when they clearly, even this year, and also, also just listen to the press conference. They tell me exactly what they do. We're not going to go. We're going to be smart about how we spend their money. This is literally coming out of their mouths. They said last year that we want pressure guys. We want pressure guys. And they end up getting the guy in college football who had the most pressure. When they come down to the average, Arnold Epichetti, he was the number one guy. He is a high-pressure guy, and we saw that. So the Falcons tell you exactly what you're doing, what they're going to do, but you just got to listen. Listen to them. Stop making up your own little drafts because they don't give a damn feeling about you going and tweeting, tweeting at them and saying, draft this guy. They don't care. They're going to fulfill their own dream, not dream, but they're they're going to team and they're going to focus on their scheme. And that's it. They didn't have a clear vision of what they want. We just have to accept it as fans, to be honest. Yeah. MVP quarterbacks are built. These guys, too. These. And these guys took a this these on a fifty two the out what was fifty two million for Matt Ryan? They took mm-hmm. on a fifty two million dollar dollar dead cap hit for Matt Ryan. And you think these guys care about what anybody thinks? Who does that? No old team has ever done that, but the Falcons do. Like my key word here, I'm gonna say is I seen somebody say something about MVP quarterbacks. We have to remember MVP quarterbacks are built, they're not automatically guaranteed. That, my friend, is a fact. Go ahead, y'all. What, what, what else we got, man? What else we got? What else we got for? Them? I got the um the equalizer here. What y'all got for? Them? Oh, oh, I know what my question is. So, how did y'all feel? What would be your grade as far as now that the season is over of this draft class as far as? these players in the whole totality I gotta give it an A I gotta give it an A just because what I stated you know 
previously, like the guys that led you on offense were your rookies. Like I think Tyler Algier was a fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Like for him to break the, you know, the Falcons rookie record, rushing record, get over a hundred, I mean a thousand yards in a season, which he didn't even start, you know, the season off. He I think he didn't dress for like the first two or three games. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I'm so comfortable to be honest with you guys with whatever they decide to do this offseason because they've shown us pretty much the last two years that they understand how to go about drafting guys. The guys that they brought in has contributed. So, you know, that's all you can ask for is bringing in guys, playing the guys so we can see what they actually can do, but knowing how to use the guys and deploy your weapons. And Arthur Smith and Dean Pease, they pretty much did that. I mean, Richie Grant, like both draft classes, you've seen pretty much they dominated you know as far as the starters they dominated uh drake london tyler algier all of these guys you know when they drafted drake london they knew we needed a number one receiver and he pretty much came in and was that from day one let's be real like he had you know the most receiving yards the most catches even when you talk about him not being targeted for a large portion of the season he still led us in receiving yards that just goes to show like how good of a player that he is and how close he got to a thousand yards receiving. Just imagine, I feel like if Desmond Ritter plays the whole season, he easily eclipsed a thousand yards because we've seen the connection that him and um, that him and Desmond Ritter had, you know, as soon as Desmond Ritter hit the field, him, Drake London, like was getting targeted probably 10 times a game easy. So I think you got to give it an A just for the mere fact that, like I said, those guys that you drafted, every caddy, D'Angelo Malone, pretty much all of those guys contributed. I think Ebiketti had like two and a half sacks on the season, and he wasn't even a starter. They were rotating him into, you know, into the defensive line. So I feel like each one of these players, you gotta give it, you gotta give it an A because the guys contributed. And that's all you can ask for. Most times as a rookie, guys don't contribute or they definitely are not the starters. And a lot of these guys that we had were actually your starters. Like I said, you even seen Later on, your third round pick and, and Desmond Ritter come in and play well and improve every single week. Like we've seen his metrics, like every single game, his QBR, his passing yards went up every single game. So pretty much all of the rookies for the most part are trending in the right direction. So I got to give it an A because of just for that reason and that reason alone was what do we look at? Production. You got the production from Algier. You got the production from Desmond Ritter. You got the production from, you know, Drake London. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you got that production from the Troy Andersons. I mean, how many big plays did Troy Anderson make uh, this season? Block punt against the Rams. Um, end up eventually being a starter, you know, taking Mike, uh, Michael Walker's spot. But, I mean, he pretty much did it all this season. And he was another guy that was kind of grooming. But he did his thing on special teams. Both him and D'Angelo Malone did their thing on special teams. So, I mean, like I said, you got to give it an A. You got to give it an A because all, pretty much the whole draft class played. And they played substantial, you know, substantial snaps. So, just for that mere fact, I definitely got to give it an A. And you won't get blown out. Like we said, all of those games we talked about, the reason we were in any of those games was because of those rookies. Those rookies actually kept us afloat and kept us in a lot of those games. When we had no business being in a lot of these games. Yeah, you made up a good point too. Like you said, um, out of out of this past draft class, 
the six guys that played, pretty much everybody played at least 15 outside of Desmond Ritter played 15 or more games. Then, like I said, you look at last year's draft class, too. You ended up with one, two, three, four, five, six potential starters. So if you got five out of this year Mm -hmm. and six last year, they moving in the right direction. And it's telling you that we trust in our processes. We trust in our coaching. And we believe in these guys. And a short story sweet. I give it a B plus. I give it a B plus. We still haven't seen all the guys yet. And that's the funny thing about it. We still haven't seen all of them. I give them a B plus. What you got on that, Mike? I say A plus because you said you had two rookies in one class breaking uh franchise records. Mm. Like we we gotta stop trying to like we gotta get his credit. We got to give Arthur his credit. Again, I mm-hmm. keep saying this over and over and over again. This is an NFL record in dead cap money. No other coach has ever dealt with this type of uh, issue. Nobody. Yes, this guy still has two guys on his team that set NFL rookie records for this franchise. I, again, I don't know. Look, I, like I, I keep saying this over and over again. I don't think people will understand this when the Falcons start to get there the players in the draft and they start to get get more depth where we see right now with the organization and the 49ers the only thing that separates the 49ers for the Falcons is depth this literally they literally built the exact same way they run the ball they focus on running the ball and they they rely on the trenches and we beat them at their own game with the lack of depth i don't know any coach that have ever dealt with this type of stuff and this is the reason why we talk about this like it's literally built like this team is literally built like the 98 Falcons. the only difference is the 98 Falcons had a lot of veterans and we got a lot of young guys. But it's literally built the exact same way. Balance on both sides. Good. We got elite defender and Chuck Smith. We got an elite defender and Grady. We got an elite tackle and, 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 and a guard. This team is literally built like the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons was in '98. Experienced coach who relies on, and I say experienced head coach with 
Austin Smith because he's had what a lot of young guys hasn't had in his um, in his career, and that's he's taught he's been taught by the best of the best since he stepped foot in as a coach. He's been taught by the best, and he still learned from the best on both sides of the ball. Not many guys that can say that they learn from guy from Bill Belichick's tree, guy from Rex Ryan's tree, um, Gibbs. It's like we we I don't know <laughs> I don't know how many I don't know many coaches that can literally say that Arthur has had with Arthur, Mike Vrabel. Like these guys are very good coaches, and he's learning these guys. And he's like even Kyle Shanahan. He learned from a Kyle Shanahan, a Kyle Shanahan tree with um the goat, uh, uh, Green Bay. No, no Green Bay. Oh, my hunger. From... No, no, my no, hunger. Coach, about the floor. Oh, my fool. But he's learned from these guys. He's learned from the best of the best. So this is one reason why I continue to say, like, we really have to slow down, get out our own personal feelings for what the Falcons' offense is, because it's boring as hell. It's like it's like like watching a game. It's like watching a Paul Johnson offense at Georgia Tech. All we do is run the dang ball most of the dang game. He damn sure <laughs> hell, about you that. know it. You know it. Yeah. It's running the ball at them near every play. <laughs> and we pass it every once in a while. To switch it up. Just saying, man. Like I, I just think Arthur deserves a much more credit. Him and Terry Fontenot has done a wonderful job bringing in guys like Abdullah Anderson. Who the hell even knew who he was prior to coming here? You got a you got a I, linebacker from Montana. Who the hell is in Montana? Uh, apparently, apparently cyborgs. I guess. Huh? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's a comment right here. Um, appreciate the comment. Uh, pretty much said Troy Anderson's PFF grade was a 40.2. I really don't think PFS is major, but that's really bad. I'll be honest with you, uh, PFF grades are uh, irrelevant. I'm gonna tell you why. <laughs> Y'all remember Foyer time in Atlanta last year, right? Where the lead tackles. Was quote unquote mm. the best linebacker the Falcons had last year had a PFF grade of 45. 45. So, so it. <laughs> what did say? Slow it down. I just oh. dissed you. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, I feel, I really feel like with the PFF grades, you just gotta watch the game and see what players is out there making plays. Like I said, he had his fingerprints 
you know, on the on every game for the most part. But when he was out there, right. whether it was special teams, whenever he touched the field, it's, that's why we wanted him out there on the field. Because it seemed like every time he was out there on the field, he was making plays. So I don't care about the PFF grades. If we yeah. really, I don't, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't it, I know I don't use them at all. Right. If we be honest about <laughs> I it, I don't, don't use them at all. Yeah, that that block punt in that Rams game shifted the momentum <laughs> of that game. So, you know, that's what I look at. I look at the plays. What we talked about those three to four plays in a game that'll change a game and win your game or lose your game. Those are the type of things that you got to look at. Is those big plays that are made during the game that shift the momentum. So that's pretty much what I look at. So Troy Anderson was one of the better rookies in this. You know, especially a part of our draft class. Could have easily been the starter from you know. From, from day one to be honest but you know when he got out there on the field he made plays and that's what matters mm-hmm. yeah yeah we look we use pfl just as a as cosmetics right nobody takes pfl nobody takes that serious <laughs> even, yeah, when, man. even when we when we we mentioned them especially myself i said take it how you want to take it when i use a pfl so you can you can use it if you wanted to validate it but like it's really just for cosmetic reasons why we use it over here at least i can say for myself wow uh, only reason to get some sometimes like i said don't get used a lot but only reason sometimes to get used over here is because they get sent to us <laughs> that's it so is that really us using <laughs> it to validate our points or is it to prove a damn point that okay this thing is half ass. We'd already done debunk that shit. The motherfucker gave, motherfucker gave Marlon Davidson a hundred grade for a pick six, and he played three snaps. Oh, pick six. <laughs> three snaps. <laughs> he played three snaps in the game and got a got a hundred because he got a pick six on time, Brady. He eighty five. Appreciate you. Uh, I said he said PFF be grading mm-hmm. on a on a curve. Yep, it damn sure do. Uh, we've mm-hmm. already had to debunk it. Appreciate it, Lee eighty five. We already had to debunk what the criteria is when it come to PFF. And if I remember correctly, what they said was they got sixty people out of six hundred employees that determine what these grades are. <laughs> it's all a part of analytics. So they don't really know what right. they're not a fan yeah. of that. We right. just seen these coaches making dumb, you know, dumb decisions off analytic analytics. Instead of you know actually following the momentum of the game, they're looking at numbers and basing off if they should go for it on fourth down, if they should go for it in the red zone. Instead of Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn. <laughs> and and for me it's nothing wrong with using analytics but I'm not finna negate the eye test just for analytics there you go like I said you can use it as a resource it's nothing I ain't saying it's nothing wrong with a resource but that's not gonna be the end all be all on how I base all my opinions on type of thing That's what gets people messed up out here when it comes to talking sports. 
we get so complacent about using the analytics having somebody else do it for us we tend to get away from what is naturally what we use to analyze the game and that's these right here see I see you I see the game <laughs> that's what we, that, that's how we're supposed to do but yeah yeah let me see Abdullah Anderson Timmy Horn Dalton um D and then we not even talking about D Alford how he pulled D Alford out the CFL that like you said that, that that's that's the thing so right there and he had a game winning mm-hmm. what two or one game winning pick or did he have two mm-hmm. game winning picks I know he had one against Seattle so like I said these guys were making plays you can say D Alford was a, a rookie last year first league you know first year in the NFL game ceiling interception but like that's why I say these guys these rookies were actually out there making plays and changing the game so mm-hmm. right but hey man it's at, at, at the end of the day man we we like i said we just seeing just just seeing a falcon team with a bunch of young guys that don't play scared or ain't afraid of the moment should be the main thing we are talking about here see this is kind of one of the reasons why we try to refrain from the quote-unquote quarterback conversation that's taking over Atlanta right now and stuff like that because we're losing as a fan base we're losing focus on what the team is trying to do we losing focus like I said, we got a draft coming up. Like I said, we've been hearing about defensive prospects and we doing prospect videos about defensive prospects that should be a Falcon. Now they have took that conversation and used the Lamar Jackson, Trey Lance conversation to grab everybody's attention because everybody's attention more now is like, okay, we need to get Jalen Carter. We need to see what Miles Murphy is in a Falcon uniform, Tyree Wilson, whoever. Mm-hmm. And that's the part, and like I said, that's the part that's really annoying as far as dealing with this stuff. We losing, we losing focus. Uh I actually, uh, one thing I've been listening to a lot of things, um, a lot of coaches, I've been really going back and listening to philosophies and how certain coaches, um, they look for talent. And I ran across something that like has stuck with me ever since. And it's Urban Meyer. Um, he stated one time in the, uh, uh, he was on Fox. And he stated, it's like, they was asking what he sees quarterbacks and how he ended up um, essentially recruiting. And one of the things that he stated was he wants a player and specifically a quarterback that has played multiple sports. 
reason being is for one is that competitive nature that's something as a player you cannot you cannot replicate that you can't teach that you either have it or you don't and those are the things it's essentially that that passing and that fire like if you see a player that doesn't have a big arm and this this is one of the reasons why you got uh, the the, uh, the guy um um for the Raiders the quarterback uh good gosh talking about Derek Carr Derek Carr not Derek Carr the big black dude who didn't study uh, Marcus <laughs> Russell <laughs> I'm sorry, that is that's not all what I said. That's the obvious right there, like <laughs> yeah, but Urban Meyer was like the one of the things that, you know you saw with Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf was way more talented than Peyton Manning when it came down to his his two. <laughs> yeah, man. And um, damn, that was a racist ass statement. Jesus, I hate that I said. <laughs> that I'm sorry, man. Bullshit, man. You don't have. That's a this black dude that gets studied. God, that sounds so wrong. Well, like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we just hey, kidding, y'all. He, he just, we just, it was hilarious. <laughs> it was just hilarious. He came out of nowhere. We're going by. It just, yeah, it's good. I, I didn't mean that. I really didn't mean that. See, this is why I gotta shut up sometimes. But the reason why I say like you gotta look at players for fire is because we see guys like you know Grady Jarrett. Like Grady Jarrett was drafted in the fifth round, but he had that fire. You see guys like Asante Samuel. Like, yeah, he got he got good skills, but you see he got that same fire that his dad has. And those are the things that Urban Meyer says that that uh, that he looked for in players. And that's why when you look at Urban Meyer throughout the entire uh, his collegiate career, uh, he's always had pretty good players. Um, but like I said, man, I think those are the things that you see with these Falcons uh, teams now. And um, it's that fire, man. And that's something you look at Desmond Ritter. It's like, no, he's not the fastest quarterback. He's not the shiftiest quarterback. But you can tell he got that fire. He has that fire in him. And, and like I said, that's the biggest That's the biggest difference in how you build teams. Uh, most play, most GMs look for guys with those combine numbers, and oh, he run a four-two and all that stuff. But they forget about the passion and the love for the game. And that's how, yeah, that's what you want. And like I agree, that's how you want to. Um, that's how you want to build your team. You want to have a bunch of guys like that. I bet yeah, I'm I sitting here looking at cap numbers and stuff. <laughs> I'm I'm saying, I'm I can't believe I said that. Damn, but 
Yeah, you had to, you were trying to explain it. We said Derek Carr. You had to let us know which guy you talking. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Look, you had, you had to go somewhere with it. Like, yeah. Man. Oh man. Like, oh, y'all, y'all don't oh, know man. who I'm talking. Okay, fuck it. Hey, I know how we're gonna get you. Get you know about it. <laughs> nah, now I'm just now I'm sitting here looking at cap numbers for 2023 and see like how many contracted players we got. So yeah, they pretty much damn they got a full roster with 53, 50. Now nah, it says right now it's at 56 right now. So it's not 80. Not 70 mm-hmm. like everybody says. It's 56. Like I said, that's barring some cuz. I'm just trying to see who, what dead money and what what players can possibly be cut around here that could save. And I see some fan favorites and I might say just don't be surprised. I see some fan favorites in here. So fan favorites? Uh oh. Some fan favorites. Let mm. me. I got a question for you. Yo, yo, yo. What's up? I know a lot of people are expecting the Falcons to go out and get guys like the Ron Payne and like really make a push for these guys. Like the way that this roster and the draft is constructed. Where do you see how the Atlanta Falcons should attack free agency to set up the draft? Because we have a lot of free agents. We have a lot of important free agents, too. Mm-hmm. That's tough. That's a tough question, Mike. I, what I'll say is this. I just need me a dog on the defensive line period and i need a guy that's hungry i don't need somebody that's just looking to get paid and be the highest paid player and i'm glad you just said what you just said when you were talking about desmond ritter i really think that they're going to go out and look for somebody that's hungry that's what i need i want somebody that that want to win and that's why i had throughout the name um jeffrey simmons from the titans but i kind of um i didn't realize when i was bringing up jeffrey simmons that he's under fifth year option when I was saying I was going to do a video about him, that's where I didn't put the video out there. I didn't realize that he was on a fifth-year option. But one thing that I I noticed when I watched their their season get ended, I think I don't remember what who they were playing. I think they played Jacksonville, if I'm not mistaken. But they had a chance mm-hmm. to win their division. But I seen him in the locker room crying and talking about his passion for the game, and that's what made me kind of want him, the Falcons, to go after a player like that because i seen his desire his will to want to win talking about having to get shots before you know shooting his ankle up just so he can go out there and play because he wanted to win and i think that that's something that i think the falcons are definitely going to look at because you hear them always talk about the ethos that's something that uh terry Fontenot always you know states is they're looking for players that fit a certain type of mode tough smart type players so whoever they go out and bring in don't just go out and bring in a big name guy. Bring in somebody that that wants to win. And usually that's a player that's coming from an organization that hasn't won. Because we know that Grady Jarrett is pissed off. Grady wants to win. 
but I need us to get bring in a dog, somebody that on that defensive line, a game changer that really wants to win. Not so much that he's just a big name. Because we've seen, we tried to go get Dante Fowler. We tried to go out and get, you know, big name running backs and big name players that's been good for their teams, you know, but they kind of were washed up when we got them. So I'm looking for another Johnny Abraham. If y'all want to know who I'm looking for, I need another Johnny Abraham on this Falcons team. But we brought Johnny Abraham <laughs> from the Jets uh, to Atlanta. He was that dude. I don't care who lined up on the other side of him, Corey Beerman, whoever you had on the other side, you knew Johnny Abraham was going to get mm-hmm. to the quarterback. So you guys know I need me a dog that's going to go hunt the quarterback. That's what I need on this team. I don't care what you got to do to go get them, but bring me somebody that can hunt the quarterback, period. I don't care who it is. I don't care about the name. I just need a guy that can get to the quarterback in those pivotal moments when you need a sack. I need a guy that can that's going to get you double-digit sacks in the season. Um, Lyric's mom put on Twitter, and I retweeted it. She talked about how uh, Joey Bosa for the 49ers had like 19 and a half sacks, and we had 21 sacks on the season. That's unacceptable. Like, we have to go out and bring in a guy. We keep talking about Lamar Jackson. Bump Lamar Jackson. Go out and get one of these big names. I don't even care if the guy's under contract. Go trade. Take that eighth pick. And this is something that I've been thinking about. Take that eighth pick and go out and get a guy that you know can rush the passer. I don't care who it is. Like, the guy that I've been looking at, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but literally I've been thinking about if the Raiders are willing to swap because they got rid of Khalil Mack, Go get Max Crosby from the Raiders. They're getting rid of Derek Carr, and it looks like they're trying to clean house. Go pick up the phone, call the Raiders, and say how much you want for Max Crosby. He's already under contract. He's 25 years old. He's a dog. He can hunt the quarterback. Go look at his numbers. Go look at his tape. Call him up and ask him, how much would y'all swap for our eighth pick, and y'all give us Max Crosby? Like, I've really been looking like looking at players that we possibly can get, but everybody's focused on a Lamar Jackson. Why not go out and get a big name pass rusher, but a guy that actually can rush the passer and that's hungry. Because if you watch Max Crosby, that's a guy that gives you 110% on every single play. He's a dog. He gets after it. I know he's a guy. We brought him here. He's going to make plays. And he's a guy that got the stamp of approval. Um, Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith, he raves about Max Crosby all the time. He's one of the outside linebackers to watch. Whereas number 98 for the Raiders, a beast. You turn on his tape, that dude's a dog. Go out and see if you can bring in a guy like that. I don't care. But go out. We always want to, you know, spend that money on an offensive type player. Why not do that for your defense? Go out and get one of those guys. It might cost you, but I would try to swap one, like swap a pick. Because with that eighth pick, say you come away with a Tyree uh, Wilson. Or you come away with the uh, uh, Murphy, Miles Murphy. Are those guys going to be able to come in year one? Like, is it even fair to them to expect them to come in year one and get you double digit sacks or be that guy? I don't know if they can do it. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I don't know if they can do it. And I feel like sometimes you, you're better off going in with a guy that's already established in the league and is already a dog. Johnny Abraham, we, we everybody knew what he can do when he came over from the Jets. So that's, mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I want to hear what you guys think about that. I never even thought about that. To be honest with you. I'm, I'm yeah, Max, yeah, Max Crabby is the Energizer Bunny. That boy don't stop. 
Well, mine's me. You gonna take the risk? Yeah, like you said, like like you said, that is a possibility that they can do that. Like you said, he's 25 too, so he's really entering his prime at that moment. I mean, hey. again, I don't know why. Right. I don't know why people don't realize mm-hmm. that Rich McKay is running this show. Mm-hmm. Rich McKay is still the president of football operations. Terry Fontenot was just doing what he told. Okay? Terry Fontenot just doing what he told. So Rick McKay has already shown that he's willing to get out, especially for a great defensive end that can get after the quarterback. That's what he did. He went out and traded his picks to go get Johnny Abraham, gave him his money, and the rest is history. So that's not out of the question that the Falcons, and like to be honest, I'll be real, I don't want that eight pick. I do nah, not I mean, want to, to be true, to be truthful to you, I like I said, I would rather trade that eighth pick back. I'd rather trade back, be honest mm-hmm. with you. Get some more value. Mm-hmm. Get some more value out of it. Because even if even if you're talking about the guys like the Miles Murphys and the Tyree Wilsons and stuff like that, you still have a lot of value in the mid round as far as pass rushers and defensive linemen. You still got value there. But if you're talking about as far as trading that pick to get somebody established that's on top of their game, I could see that. That's what I would do if I was the GM. I and I've that. been thinking about that for a while. Like, why don't we just do that? Oh my like, God. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, really. I'm sorry, you. I'm so sorry. This, this really. Oh, okay, okay, can this I, can really I hit, can I hit it first? Can I hit it first? You don't mind if I oh, hit it first. Please, please, please go. Yeah. yeah. All right, Ray J, hit it first. If you please. pay attention to how the Falcons play their defense. They do not, like I said, they're they're not switching away from the three four, but they don't play a traditional three four. It's a hybrid. It's a hybrid version of it. Grady J, the, despite despite what the negative connotations can't, despite what the popular narrative is, is they still got the four three principles. Grady J is still three tech. It's not a traditional three four. It never was. Never was. We have four line at the time. A lot of times, and most of the time, the reason why we want versatile players is because at times you see Lorenzo Carter, he'll bounce out to the side and end up getting picks and tip balls and stuff like that. So their defensive ends have to be. Uh, they and like another thing too on top of that that defensive end have to have a, like uh, skills to be able to cover and move the hips that's why you got guys like uh, D'Angelo Malone you got the side thing to be able to move and then you got guys like Troy Anderson if you don't look if you haven't seen how they use Troy Anderson, they use him like a 3-4 edge 
he lined up in the middle, but a lot of times he ends up on the outside because they do a lot of stunt. Grady Jarrett to peel in, and then you'll see uh, Troy looping on the outside, and that's how he ended up. Getting. Go back and look at the, the game against uh, the last game against the Bucks. You'll see exactly what you're talking about. Troy was Troy was stunting and he was going all over the place. That's how they're using their linebackers. So their linebackers have to have uh they have to be I'm I'm trying to compare him to somebody. I wanna say um Brooks Reed, but maybe like uh the other mm-hmm. linebacker in the Texans. I forget his name. I say um, just think about that's it like how this. They use I say I just think about it like this. Do anybody remember the wide nine defense Philadelphia Eagles used to play? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is essentially the same damn defense, but we just don't have we don't have big bookings. It's a three folder. That's just for my. Everybody don't have to agree on that, but that's what I see. Brian Cushing, that's his name. Brian I was saying, I'm oh, Brett Cole. He had the right last name Cushing. too, boy, because he his name should have been his name was damn near close to saying Brian Concussion. That's that's what his name was. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they used, like I said, but they used would, a linebacker to go everywhere. Look. I will say this. I will say this with William. I will say this. If the guy that you want is not there, if it's like you say, if it's a mild, if, if the Falcons are looking at, because we already know Will Anderson. Well, we don't know. Like I said, we don't know how this draft is going to pan out. Like I said, if you have a top five, if the Falcons have a top five board and they're looking for these particular five players. If they're not there at eight, then you trade back. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give you that one. Then you trade back because you don't want to be in a situation where, okay, I really want these guys, but I'm gonna settle for this guy at this spot just because of that eight. If that guy ain't at eight, trade that pick back. You ain't gotta trade all the way out the first round. Ooh. 13 to 15 range would be perfect. Because not only will you get value for your pick, you still going to get a great player out of that, but you still going to get more value. So if you trade back, I look more so in between the 12, 15 range because you still be in the range enough to where you would still get one of those top 10 players. Because the way that they talking about Anthony Richardson, one of those defensive players is going to be available past 11. I'm telling you that now. <laughs> I, I say I don't care. Because when you when you go in there with a preconceived idea, that's when you miss out on the best deals. Because you're mm-hmm. going in saying, well, I'm not, I'm staying at such spot so it's like you got to read the draft you can't go in there with well we I'm a, I, I, I want two picks read the draft and then you make them. and like that's the same thing for for free agency 
we might go in there and say, I want to run pain regardless. And then, you know, for whatever reason, the draft might unfold where Jalen Carter end up dropping and then they either trade a guy that wasn't previously even on the market. We see that in the NFL all the time. Well, you go think this guy was going to be available then you know he wasn't available then the draft came and that thing no he's open he's wide open nobody would have saw that and Dominic Sue would have been out of the league last year so it's like there's a lot of stuff that unfolds man that you it's like you don't go in with a certain a mentality man it's like uh, you don't go in there with a certain uh idea and saying this is what I'm I'm gonna get this player regardless because you might get that that player at that spot, and then there was a run on DBs, and then you need a DB, and all the DBs are gone, but you don't got rid of all your picks. Right. You trade up to get a certain guy. Read the draft, man. Right. And then, like you said, even when we use this draft for example, it's not even a guarantee that the the teams that need quarterbacks are going to take quarterbacks. It's not. We've seen stuff like that happen too. So, exactly. yeah, we've seen the last couple of years, and you've seen teams that don't need quarterbacks take quarterbacks. There's a balance there. You like Mike just said. Mike just put it perfectly, perfectly in one sentence. You gotta read the draft because what happens. Uh, and this is an interesting scenario. What if the Houston Texans don't take a quarterback and they take the best defensive player at that position? Mm-hmm. What if mm-hmm. Seattle doesn't take a quarterback and take the best defensive player in that position? Now you potentially may have a top five draft where every guy that you was looking for is gone. Mm-hmm. This, this is why when you see a lot of what, what we do over here with our draft prospects, like like for me, for example, and I always tell everybody this, if I do draft prospects, I don't do first-round picks. Because you know why I don't do first-round picks? Because nine times out of ten, the first-round pick that you want is not going to be there. So you got to have an alternate you gotta have a board of different players and be like, okay, he might be available right there. Hmm. Okay, cool. And I saw somebody said something earlier about why people still talking about the Lamar Jackson thing. It's because they know motherfuckers gonna watch. It's called it, it, it's called media manipulation. It, I ain't gonna say media media manipulation in a way because since it's the trending story and the problem is a lot of people in Atlanta want that quarterback or want Lamar Jackson here. It's the easiest thing to talk about. So that's all that is. But getting back to this draft, so. Like I said, the guy you may want may not be there. So what's going to be your next option? What you got, Drew? 
I agree where y'all coming from. Y'all know where my head is. I just want us to, you know, work mm-hmm. on this defense. Period. Don't come out of here with no wide receiver. <laughs> don't bring me nobody. I don't want no offensive pick. That's my. That's where I'm at, bro. I don't want no offensive pick, dog. I'm being real. If I see, I don't care if it's offensive. I don't want no offensive pick. If y'all like how y'all was saying, if all of those dogs is gone, Will Anderson, Miles Murphy, then you trade back. Don't take no offensive player and say he was the best player available. I don't want us. I don't want another offensive pick in the first round this year. None. We don't need it. We don't need it. Build this defense. That's my biggest issue. Bring me somebody that can affect in the front seven. We need somebody in the front seven. If they take somebody to draft a player defensive-wise in the front seven, I'm good with that. But don't bring no offensive, no offensive players. I don't care who's on the board. I don't want to see an offensive player drafted. That's where my head is. AKA offensive lineman is off the table too motherfuckers yeah that's off the line that's off the that's off yeah man we don't need it like i keep telling people like how many offensive first round offensive linemen you gonna take lindstrom was a first rounder but gary was a first round you don't need five first round offensive linemen let's be real like look at our defensive line how many guys on our defensive line are first round picks like we really need to fix these mm-hmm. trenches period on the defense because we've seen our offensive line was okay like even the, as we keep harping on i think the right the left guard position mm-hmm. we were fine our offensive line was fine this year our offensive line was fine so at this point even if you got to go out and just sign a veteran or resign, like i'm good with the offensive line i'm good with the the weapons that we have you can find like i just mentioned we got tyler algier in the fifth round you can find running backs. You can find wide receivers at any point in the draft. To me, mm-hmm. what we're struggling is we don't never value the trenches. You heard Mike say, we were right there, could have took Jordan Davis. You guys know I love me some Drake London to pieces. But at the end of the day, Drake London, he was the right pick at, you know, pick there. But you got Kyle Pitts. You got Drake London. You straight on the offensive side of the ball. We're a run first team. So you straight. Mm-hmm. You got to fix the defense, the, the front seven. You got to fix it. You got to fix it. So if... If your guy ain't there, trade back and just build up. But what I would do, if I was a GM, I would try to go get a defensive end. I would trade the eighth pick, go get me a defensive end or a guy that can uh, pressure up the middle. But really, I really feel like you can do either or. You either can draft a defensive end and trade for somebody's or you know get one of these free agent guys that can bring pressure from the middle, like a, a, a true nose. Or you can do it in reverse and you can uh take a trade for um you know a pressure guy uh, up the middle and then so vice versa but i'm doubling up so free agency i would be either taking a nose tackle or an edge and then in the draft i would do whichever one i didn't get so if we get say like a max crosby then i'm going nose or inst- somebody can bring pressure from the inside in the in the first round of the draft that's what i would do with my first pick but whether whether or not you know whichever way you want to do it i would do it that's what i would do i would go defensive line double up unless it's somebody there that they really feel like okay you can't pass them up like in the secondary like a, a joy porter jr like if they want to go there i would even trip if they went corner even though i don't feel like you necessarily need to do it but i feel like if you can get another playmaker as long as it's on defense i'm okay with it but front seven is what i'm looking at mainly i'm looking at the defensive line 
if you can get somebody out this defensive line, I really feel like that's what you should do. And I feel like we should double up. Free agency should be looking at the defensive line. Draft priority should be defensive line. Period. No ways around it. Yeah, there's actually a lot of this. And I know, I know the talent. The talent gap between Jalen Carter and the rest of the defensive tackles is a wide gap. But as far as what the Falcons need, you actually have a lot of capable guys to fill that need. So I see where you cover. I see where you're coming from with that. Because, like you said, with the Max Crosby thing, if if, if that's a possibility, and if you have to get part with that eighth pick for that, yeah. You still got comparable guys that you can you can draft in that spot. That boy Ju said, boy, if y'all come up here with an offensive lineman, if you come up here with a running back, a wide receiver, or another quarterback, he's gonna rebuke thee. That's what he gonna do. Bruh, I'm gonna be living, bro. <laughs> hey, look, I love offense, but at the end of the day, at some point you gotta value the defense. You right. can't say, well, we value it, but we gonna wait till the fifth round to take somebody. Like, come on, bro. Right. Like, if you really value it. You gotta put that your money where your mouth is. And we gotta put some money on side on that side of the ball. Like Grady, we paid him. Now it's time to pay some other guys. Like you gotta bring back Lorenzo Carter. You gotta pay your guys you have. But that's why I was talking about where the depth's gonna come in. Because you got Ebiketti, but if say you bring in a Max Crosby or you take one of these other guys like a Will Anderson or Miles Murphy, they're there. Now you're building on that defensive line where you can run a NASCAR package on third and long or third. You can literally put out Miles Murphy, Grady Jarrett, Epic, Lorenzo Carson. You got four guys that can legitimately get after the passer consistently. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see our defensive line. I'm trying to build that de- that New York Giants team that beat the, the Patriots. That's what I want to see. I want to see four guys capable of rushing the passer and not so many guys that only can do one thing because that's been an issue with our team as well where you have like a a doula anderson or a guy that's a specialty at stopping the run but he can't do multiple things that's what we kind of been struggling where i feel like we need to get more versatility on our defensive line where max crosby he gonna play the run and he gonna play the pass you're not gonna just have a guy that's just a speed or just an edge rusher we need to get be more versatile on our defensive line where if it's first down we're not in first and second down we don't have to keep taking guys in and out of the game because sometimes you get caught with you know if they run the hurry up you stuck with guys on the field that can't rush the passer and that's something that i think that we got to get away from we got to get to these guys that can actually do both they can stop the run and they can bring pressure uh, so I know we about to go ahead and start winding this down, but I want to add Mike, Jude, and I want to ask a lot of people this question. So, as we talk about the trenches here, and we're going to end the show on this, and we're going to end the show right. So, as we talk about the trenches and we talk about Jalen Carter, he's being the most obvious guy for the Falcons. If we're talking about nose tackle, what is your back what is your backup plan as far as who would you see out of this draft as a nose tackle for the Falcons? I know the obvious ones is gonna be Masi Smith and or Siaki Ika. 
I want to see if anybody got a damn backup plan. <clears throat> I've, I've already. I don't give a flying. You know what? I don't give a damn. I don't care if it's an edge. I don't care if it's a defense title. I, I want to see a commitment to it. Everybody, like, because we, it's not 100% that these guys that we draft are going to be good or even receive legitimate playing time. Like, Jordan Davis, even though he was took, taking that high, he didn't see a significant amount of snaps. So, was that the right pick for the Eagles? Just based on his playing time this year? Absolutely not. It was a wasted pick for them because he's not he's not contributing to that team anyway. So it's a wasted pick for them. You just you basically had a guy sitting around just like for decoration until the next year when all these guys became free agents. So it's a wasted pick for this year. So I don't care. Whoever the guy is, I need depth. I need depth at the defensive tackle position or the edge position. That's why I said if Will Anderson is sitting there, get him because we have a solid rotation of edge guys. And then the following year, we can start working on the defensive tackles. At some point, you have to you have to start working on one particular position. This year it may be the tackles. Next year we'll start working on the edges. But I thought I've already. I thought we already start working on the edges. But like, if you if if a Will Anderson is there, take him because he's the best speed rusher in this draft outside of a, a Nolan Smith, in my opinion. Like Nolan, nobody even paying attention to him. He got injured, but like he could be one of those guys you can get in third or fourth round, and he comes uh, in the NFL, and he pretty much does what. Um, Okay, Von Tempo though. Uh, J- no, I was talking about JJ. I was about to say JJ Watt, but TJ Watt was like he could end up being that just a pure speed rusher. Like when you have a plan at pass rusher, like I said, whether it's inside or out, that's gonna force the, the team to adjust. So for instance, like let's just say, all right, Ebiketti is on Malone. And you can throw Troy outside because he's by six, he's by six three, two forty, two fifty himself. You can stick him on the edge and use his athleticism. We've actually seen that this year. Stick him on the edge, and he did a pretty good job, especially get Tom Brady. That's one of the main reasons why they was they took his ass out of the game because yeah, Troy was hunting his ass. Troy was hunting him. Go back and watch Troy was hunting that boy. And like I said. I just want to see a plan. I don't care what it is. Defensive tackle, because there's a lot of guys. It's a it's a deep class as far as specialists, uh, specialists concerned. And this is the time to do it. So whether it's a defensive end, defensive tackle, we got to commit to it. And that's what you was alluding to. Just commit to building that D line. But if I was forced to say anybody at that D tackle position, um, whoo, it's it's I gotta say the kid from um, Tennessee, mm. just like he, for whatever reason, he just kept jumping out. Like every time I watched 
Tennessee, he would always 21, I believe his name 20. Huh? It was it was a D tackle. But he was he he just kept um every time I saw him, he was making plays. He just kept stepping out. Like that was, those are the things. It's almost like um Troy Anderson. Like every time Troy was on the field, he just something was just happening. And the kid from Tennessee, every time I watch him, always making plays. Always around the ball. Something always the Tyson that I focus on. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, because the reason why I say this too is going back to that quote unquote Mel Kuyper stupid shit. They done threw Clancy, they done threw Clancy's ass up in the top 10. Whoever the whatever the hell that dude from Pittsburgh is, they done threw him in the top 10. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. This is what we talk about. Well, I know for me, it's kind of hard though. Well, if I'm talking about defensive tackle, I don't want to. I'm I'm gonna say the dude from Michigan Michigan State. What's his name? Slade. He like he like he looked like a big old country boy, mm. like a big old country boy from Michigan State. That mother is all energy. I gotta look some more into it though. Yeah, that dude Clancy. There, yeah, I'm about to say he like six foot two seventy seven or something at defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Only person that got away with that is Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald's built like Thanos. This dude ain't built like Thanos. <laughs> Nah. But <clears throat> but as y'all say about the front seven, I'm still trying to figure out like why the like so so why is this corner conversation coming up with this first pick? What's up with this no fly zone everything? We damn near already got a no fly zone now. I know everybody just wants the shutdown zone, but shit. You can't get no pass rush, your no fly zone ain't worth a damn. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Right. But we'll go ahead and wind the show down. Um, let's see. Hopefully this works this time. Does it work this time? It almost did. There you go. Alright man, we finally got the music going on and I apologize for everybody for the technical difficulties early in the show. Um Hey, shit happens. They let you know this 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 is impromptu. We, ain't none of this scripted that's coming on up here. As you already know. <clears throat> the heavy hitters definitely appreciate y'all for kicking it with us for the whole season. This is not the last heavy hitter show that you're gonna see. In the off season, we still got a whole. Let me see. It's cap of February. We got March, April, May, June, July. After the Super Bowl, we got six months of um, football talk. So 
this ain't the last you're gonna see of us. So, Jew, you want to go ahead and plug it up? Go ahead and plug what you what you got planned for the off season. You gonna plug it? Most definitely. Um, as always, want to thank y'all for tuning in tonight. As always. Um, but I do want to, um, I'll put it on my community tab. Next week, I'll be doing my first What's the Word Dirty Bird Season 3 starts in February. So I want to get your, you guys' thoughts. What do you guys want to talk about in the first episode of What's the Word Dirty Bird? So I'm going to put it on my community tab. You guys give me some ideas of what you guys want to hear. Being that it's the off season, we want to give you guys the content that you guys want to hear. Um, but we definitely can do draft talk i love doing draft talk and things of that nature as well but whatever you guys want to talk about i mean these guys mike and k they didn't hit on pretty much every topic they hit on the lamar jackson they've hit on the defensive coordinator search so whatever you guys want to hear and what's the word dirty bird for the first episode i'll put it on my community tab you guys give me your ideas of what you guys want to hear and if i i see maybe i'll put a poll up once i get some ideas of what you guys want to hear and then we'll just do it like that. Whatever comes, you know, once I put the poll up, whatever gets the most votes, that'll be the first, uh, what's the word, Dirty Bird? That'll be the topic we'll talk about. But I'm interested, man, to see we got money. You know, as we say, we went from no money. We moved up like Georgia and Weezy. So look, now that we got some money, yeah, we're moving on up. Hey, now we're going to see what they, you know, how, how they're going to divvy out these funds. But... Like I said, you guys know what my head is. I'm ready to wreck the quarterback, wreck the backfield of opposing teams. Get this, get the trenches right. You see the two teams that are in the NFC Championship game, the Eagles and the 49ers. Those teams play on your side of the trenches. That's what we need with our Falcons. So with that being said, you guys um, definitely continue to tune in. Definitely continue to like, share, and subscribe. But we definitely going to continue to give you guys uh shows hopefully we could possibly do like a heavy hitter show uh maybe once uh maybe one wednesday out of each month so it won't just be all what's the word dirty birds but you guys definitely give me your ideas of what y'all want to hear with that being said i'll kick it over to the mad mike Ooh. um I'm looking for the guy. I think his name is Elijah Simmons. Well, thing like, no, it's not him. He's a defensive tackle. He's about a three forty. That's a big guy. He's a big guy, but he is at Tennessee. And every time I saw him, like he he, he wasn't a guy that wasn't um, getting a ton of sacks, but he's always around the ball. Oh, those types of players that I look for. It's always mm-hmm. around the ball I con- contributed. And I think um, Grady Jarrett needs a guy like that. Because like if you look at Ever Kitty, Ever Kitty didn't have you know the best numbers. Uh, because he was essentially setting up Michael Parsons. So he has those fundamentals. So I think if you look at how the Falcons are constructed, man, they need guys up front that can do a particular job well. And that's what makes Abdullah Anderson um, good at what he does because we can be a, a, a consistent run stopper. 
Like you're not every once in a while he gets some pressure, but for the most part, you can commit. You can really focus on him and count on him to be able to do uh, to stop the run. And those are the types of things. And uh, another thing too, a lot of people don't remember. Um, they look at Cleveland, Cleveland Farrell, Vic Beasley, but a lot of people don't really know Brady Jid was the was the cleanup guy. He wasn't the popular name on that whole squad. He was doing all the dirty work. Brady Jid was doing all the dirty work. Those are the players that a lot of NFL coaches focus on. The guy that do the dirty work. So anytime you see a star player have a lot of numbers in college, look around that D-line and see who's doing all the dirt. We're taking on the double team, you know, stopping the run, getting consistent tackles and that, that thing like that. Yeah, Vic Beasy did a good job of getting the sacks. That was one of the main reasons why a lot of those guys, um, you know, now in the NFL, I mean, we're looking at uh, Big Boy in, in um, with the Giants. Who was like an absolute monster when uh, the uh, Lawrence. He was mm-hmm. like a damn monster when everybody just thought he was a big, fat slob. That, that's what they were. They thought he was just a big-ass, a, a big, big-ass uh, uh, new version of Vita Vape. Just big. That's all he going to be is a big run stuff. This dude is causing absolute hell right now. Wreaking hell and havoc. That's what he's doing. So those are the players that I'm focused on. It's like looking at all the good, all the good, uh, all the good pass pressures, what everybody talk about. But that, that, so those are the players that I'm focused on. And like like I said about like a lot of people were talking about Siaki Ika. I had to take a few, take a quite a few look at some, some games. I don't know about him. And I'm gonna explain that in a later in, in a later episode or whatever we got. But definitely just like you said with uh what's the word, dirty bird. We about to kick off the Chronicles, the K-Styles here. I mean, y'all seen it a couple times. So we're going to start kicking that off. It's off season as well. So we definitely going to make that Q&A just with me. Um, it's going to be pretty much kind of like Mike's Unleashed. But yeah, I, I, uh, yeah as y'all know me, I unleash in a different style. So. Just know that's coming up soon. Oh yeah. Yeah, like I said, like I said, I'm just gonna leave it like this. I like it. See, I, from what I saw, y'all might want to pay a little bit more attention to him before y'all come to that conclusion. I'm talking about look at all the snaps, not just highlights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one thing I had to learn about certain players too, especially when it comes to trench players. I'm giving you, I'm giving y'all the secret right here. You look at the D-line, O-line, snap counts. They all on YouTube. Go and look at them and tell me what you think. 
So until next time, people, we ain't here to play. Oh no. We here to stay. You ain't gotta go home. But you gotta get the heck up out of here. Deuces.